Welcome to another In Wheel Time podcast, a 30-minute mini version of the In Wheel Time car show that airs live every Saturday morning, 8 to 11 a.m. Central. Well, you know, leave it to me. There are beaver, one of the two. Leave it to beaver. Okay. <laughs> Pay no attention to the man behind the, the curtain. curtain. Exactly. Welcome to the In Wheel Time <laughs> Car Talk Show or something else. We don't want to even admit that this is the In Wheel Time Car Talk <laughs> Show. Oops. Thank you, Don Armstrong. Coming up, Lewis Black joins us to talk about raw materials for making cars. Later, look at the stories making automotive news headlines this week. Howdy along with Mike out of this world, Mars. King Conrad DeLong. We need more Jeff Seekin. I'm the man behind the curtain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Screwing it all up. Yeah, yeah, screwing yeah, it up. Yeah, yeah, thank you for pointing uh-huh. it out. It's it's all my fault, as it usually did. is. Joining us now, live from the great state of New York, I believe it is. His name is Louis Black. He's the CEO of Almonte Industries. And Louis Black, not the comedian. But, well, I guess you can be, Louis, if you want to be. But um, it's good to have you back with us again. Uh, Almonte Industries is an international raw materials development company. And uh, I know that last time we spoke to you, you were in Spain. And, uh, and, and, Absolutely and, true. Yeah, and, and, and you're back in the States. Well, you know, it was the fact of, of you know, the good weather and, and the fresh food and, and, you know, the wonderful, charming nature of Spain. I, I thought like, it was too good. It was so I, I returned to the States uh, to feast on the culinary delights of New York City. Oh, my God. Yeah, and, he, and, he's, honest, a, and he's a salesperson, too. <laughs> it's, not, it's, a, it's not quite what I expected, but but I think it's important that I keep my feet on the ground. Absolutely. Yeah. Chamber and, of and Commerce we, wants that, you. The, the so, chamber, it's, yeah. so it's Ray's Pizza and Say Bread Hot Dogs. I have to say, it is a delight to be able to walk in somewhere and get food straight away. Whereas in Spain, it's more of a sort of, uh, you know, suggestion. You come <laughs> wait and maybe come back and maybe they remember or maybe they don't. So you never really know. But, wow. but no, it, it's good to be back home. Well, and it's good to have you back with us again. I know that after our last conversation, we are we had to pick our jaws up off of the floor. Learned because a lot. Yeah, yeah, we learned an awful lot. And uh, there's been a lot of changes since we last talked to you uh, in the supply chain. Uh, and you're really at the base of the supply chain, and that is uh, materials, raw materials, to make the things that go into cars. And the first thing that comes to my mind uh, are batteries for EVs. And uh, we keep hearing these horror stories about there's not going to be enough raw materials to make the batteries at the rate that everybody is bragging about how fast these EVs are going to come off the assembly line. And I was hoping to find out from you exactly what the status is of that. Can you fill us in? Well, I mean, I, I think that uh, this is not a new story. I mean, back in the days before Tesla made EVs uh, sexy, hybrids were the, were the future. And even back then, with, with the way that they wanted to transition towards hybrids, they said they were a decade away from getting enough raw materials to be able to produce the number of hybrids that would be required uh, going forward. So this is really a continuation of the same story. Um, and I think since the hybrid stories, uh, the world has changed you know, even more where raw materials don't win you votes. The idea of getting raw materials probably does, but the idea of, of actually producing them does not. 
And, and so what we're seeing in, in democracies across the board is an understanding of the strategic nature of needing these products, but not wanting to build it in your own backyard. So I think the days of seeing large scale minds opening democracies are, are coming now to a close. And then of course, it's a completely different conversation regarding procurement because Yes, you're completely right. The politicians are, are, are really running to the, to the end of the race without actually knowing how to start it, uh, because there is no way there is even close to enough raw materials to meet these timelines that are being imposed upon everybody. And is some of the uh, reason why some countries are unwilling to do the mining is because typically this is open pit mining? No, I mean, I mean, you know, many mines are, you know, you have a, a balance of both. It's just that the concept of making a mine, whether it's open pit or underground, it doesn't win you votes. You, you, no one's getting elected on the back of that. And so, you know, building a battery factory, that, that's a lot more kind of palatable, but you still got to feed the battery factory. Right, right. So you, you're really moving to a stage where you're imposing timelines that you can't, that the industry cannot meet. And on top of that, you are going to strengthen the very uh, lack of diversification in your supply chain that you're trying to get away from because the only countries that are even close to being able to increase output are the ones that are already producing. Interesting. Because I know that I saw a story where uh, somebody, uh, they were trying to open a mine in Michigan and I don't remember exactly what they were trying to, uranium or something like that. Anyway, of course, uh, all the EPA type came in and said, no, we don't want a mine in Michigan. You know, go do it someplace else. We don't want you to open this mine. So they, I think they've pretty well stopped it. Well, you can, you can only mine where the raw materials are in the right, ground. exactly. I mean, it's not like they could just choose another place. Start digging a hole. <clears throat> Look, I mean, in democracies, you know, it, it takes you eight to ten years to open a mine anyway. Um, the United States is, you know, has a different quirk in that you can go through all the processes of approval and then still politically be rejected, even though that rejection is in the gray area of whether it's even legally possible to do. It's a risk that you face. And so if you're if you're an investor, you know, you're going to shy away from that risk because you can spend all this money getting to the finish line and then it still gets shot down in Europe. They're, they seem to be a lot more delicate about this. They just don't approve the project. Um, they don't actually say publicly, we're not going to approve it. They just don't approve it. And so we are really seeing, uh, it, it, you know, to, to open a mine in a democracy is problematic. And yes, the NGOs, um, indigenous groups, there's all kinds of, of basically uh, people that now need to say it's okay to mine national interest is really at the back of the queue because we're in a democracy where an individual counts. If you're in a country where that doesn't, you know, an individual is not important, you can put national interest at the front of the queue. But that is the price, whether we like it or not, of living in a democracy. And to be honest, yes, it's a pain, but I'd rather be in a democracy than the alternative. Right. And then, um, so is that why it seems like a lot of the raw materials are probably coming out of Africa more than um, the democracies of South Europe. America, places like yeah. that. Yes, I mean, I mean, you know, regulation-wise, it's uh, certainly simpler. Now it doesn't tick the transparency box that many customers desire. But 
you know, until such time as there's greater choice for these menu, these consumers, uh, those questions are going to be put on the back burner because you can't really bite the hand that feeds you. You right. can't say, oh, we're not happy with one jurisdiction because it's not transparent when you have no alternative to replace that material you're walking away from. And, and a great example is Russia. So for a tungsten, so we're, we're the, the, the guys outside of China who, who produce most tungsten. But between China and Russia, 90% of the world's tungsten is produced. And yet, since they, they rolled into a sovereign country, uh, which in itself was extraordinary, um, the reaction of the West has been, well, we're going to confiscate some oligarchs' yachts. Uh, we're not really sure they own them because they're obviously hidden behind many different, you know, different shell companies. But there's been no disruption of raw material supply from Russia, none whatsoever, because you can't afford not to buy it. There's nowhere else you can get it. And so you, you do find yourself in a rather you know, difficult situation where your own policies are going to continue to empower jurisdictions that perhaps don't share your values. And that, of course, ultimately leads to drama. Yeah. What 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 is tungsten used for in automobile manufacturing? Oh, well, funnily enough, tungsten's at the top of pretty much every country's strategic list because it's in absolutely everything. They don't use a lot of it, but without it, you can't actually make anything. So we're talking from defense to medical to uh, automotive, uh, batteries, technology, screens, semiconductors, uh, uh, aerospace, everything. I mean, in your room right now, Pretty much everything you can see around you has some part connection with tungsten, whether it be your laptops, whether it be your phones, whether it be even the table, the manufacturing of that table. So there's a little bit of it in everything. And to think that 10 to 12 percent of all tungsten is used in defense, and yet 90 percent of all tungsten comes from China and Russia, you can see that it's an area that no one really wants to make a big noise about until they have alternatives. They just don't really know how to get to that point of finding alternative sources without essentially upsetting the hand that feeds you. So with, with we, we've got uh, in-wheel time mining company. Where would you suggest we put a, a shovel in the ground? Well, uh, you know, ultimately, it depends what gets you out of bed in the morning. For me, I like to sleep at night, so I only want to operate in safe jurisdictions. And on that basis, I, I'm prepared to go through the, you know, in damage of getting a permit slowly in uh, democracies that are still looking at, you know, very limited uh, growth in, in that area. If you want to make money, uh, well, you, you head to South America, you head to Africa, but you face the, the, and you head to the Caucasus or, you know, the old satellite states of the Soviet Union, um, Mongolia, but, but you run the risk that you can make a lot of money, but you can also wake up one morning and find that the president's son has decided he wants to be in your business, and it's your business is now painted a different color. And you've lost everything. So with the changes looked at in technology in the batteries, I realize you know the, the batteries, the lithium ion, the cobalt and stuff is all kind of where they're at now, but there's future changes of battery because there's so much technology, uh, research and development. Is Almonte looking at the future and what stuff uh, they're going to need as they change the battery recipe? Well, the, the recipe may change, but it will still require raw materials. And then we go back to what we were just saying. You can't build these mines in democracies. 
So you, okay. you, you are probably still shopping in the same store. You're just going to a different aisle. Uh, so it doesn't, nothing really changes on that basis. Wow. I mean, we've seen growth in tungsten in the last six, seven years. It's been driven, say, in South Korea. So South Korea is the largest consumer of tungsten per capita in the world. And we happen to be building, rebuilt, uh, reopening the world's largest tungsten mine right in that jurisdiction. Uh, its main primary source of consumption is technology in South Korea. So it's used in screens, it's used in semiconductors, and it's used in, in batteries. And as those are enormous growth areas within the country, you've seen double-digit growth of tungsten consumption. Uh, tungsten is one of those bizarre metals that disperse heat, do not smelt, well, they smelt slightly less than the temperature of the sun, and is very conductive, which means you can, they pump like a tungsten gas into every semiconductor because it means you can run many more operations in that semiconductor and not worry about heat. They're using it now in anodes and cathodes because you can get rid of the cobalt and use more nickel, and that way the batteries don't combust. And you can charge them very quickly, but not just for vehicles, EVs. You can do the same for laptops, for phones. And these are now what are being produced in, in South Korea as they enter commercial production, meaning you can charge your phone in a matter of minutes, as an example. So, so that tungsten is the advancement of technology. As, as so Tungsten is, is part of the recipe. Tungsten is not the only recipe. I mean, we talk about lithium, but... Lithium only operates when it's combined with other metals. It's just, you know, ultimately the market gets hold of a story and, and, and sort of drives the narrative on one particular metal. But no one particular metal is, is going to build the future. The way that metal is combined with other metals is what's going to build the future. Something that, that was running around on the Internet uh, this week was mining on the floor of the ocean. Yeah, little uh, no nodes. Yeah, little nodes. Uh, do you know anything about that? Well, yes. I mean, I mean, look. I, to be perfectly honest, if you think you have problems in Michigan opening a mine with environmentalists, you try doing it in the ocean. <laughs> I can only imagine. Yeah. You, you know, I mean, you, you've got you've got local, you know, local NGOs in Michigan. Um, you have global NGOs with, with. I mean, think about it. You know, Greenpeace doesn't even allow you to take uh, nuclear-powered uh, vessels into or New Zealand into their waters. You have no shot of mining at the bottom of the ocean. I mean, uh, this it's never it's never going to happen in a lifetime. You have more chance of mining in space. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, the oceans, no. And to be honest, I'm not entirely sure that's the greatest idea. Um, you know, regulations exist for a reason on, on land, and they're a pain and they're a drama and all these things, but ultimately they, they serve a really valid process because up until the sort of 80s, uh, you know, mining companies, yeah, a lot of them couldn't behave themselves and, and they did a lot of damage. And when China arrived into the market and, and essentially gave away almost free product, say in tungsten, there was 100 tungsten mines outside of China in, in the end of the 70s, beginning of the 80s. By the beginning of the 90s, there were two. So that culling was a necessary market function, but also it solved a big problem for a lot of the governments. These mines weren't adhering to regulations that are now in place. So I, you know, even though they drive me nuts, I, I really see the benefit of them. So, so let me ask you, if I understood a while ago, you said it takes you like about 10 years to open a new mine. Is that, was that right? Yes, yeah, I mean, eight years if you're lucky, 10 years if, if you're not. So, so in relation to the, to the technology, you said you know, most of it's going to be a combination of existing products. But you know, if somebody comes up and says, um, we think we're going to need more of one particular 
raw material. And, and, and so you need to expand your capacity. But if they come up with something totally new, said, you know, you're not mining this now, but we want to start because we need it for this. Uh, I mean, do does that ever happen to where you really got to go out and find new places? We know, you know, the elemental table gives us a list of everything that exists. So, so pretty much everything has been prospected and prepared in, in that sense. I mean, a lot of the elements are actually byproducts of, of production of other metals. So, you know, rare earths, for instance, aren't that rare. We've never really been sure whether I think they were wanted to, to command attention on the elemental table and they were called rare earths, but they, they weren't so rare. But no, there's nothing, I don't think there's anything majorly new to discover. I mean, I could be wrong, but, but ultimately, smarter guys than I have been pulling over minerals and metals for, for the last 200 odd years, so some of them going back 4,000 years of copper and, uh, and tin. But no, I, I don't think you're going to find that. I think your main problem is going to be uh, whether ESG continues to be front and center so that, that companies like Apple and Airbus and Boeing they demand Ford, they demand transparency of their supply chain. And also, how are they going to address the fact that they shop pretty much all in the same store? What happens if that store, you know, closes or has a problem or decides that you, you're no longer welcome in that store? I mean, there are a hundred different things that could happen, but you don't have anywhere else to go right now. And that's really, I think, the major problem facing all manufacturers currently. Sounds a little scary. Yeah. Yes. You have a backdrop behind you. What mine is that? This mine is Los Santos in Spain. It's our, our, our Spanish asset. And what do they mine there? That mine's tungsten. Okay. And and ultimately, uh, what you see is actually uh, the basically the, the sand to control all the dust. And then when this mine closes, all of that will disappear. It's all revegetated. Reclaimed, yeah. So, so look, I mean, now now is not what it was. They, they, you know, ultimately, you have a responsibility and you have to adhere to that responsibility. Mm-hmm. But I think the image of mines is still suffering from the, you know, the, the sins they committed back in the 60s, 50s, 60s, 70s, the legacy issues that were left. And that means that ultimately, politically, if you think this current administration, the previous administration, they talked very strongly about raw materials until they sort of ran into this headwind of, ah, you know what, no one's going to elect you on that. So they kind of migrated further downstream to semiconductors, batteries. So they've, they've gone to the end of the race, and they're going to let someone else worry about the start. Yeah, that interesting. Makes sense. Very yeah. interesting. So you talked about the elemental table. Um, do you have kind of a map of the elemental table and where those elements are available around the world? Sure. I mean, I mean actually, USGS, the U.S. Geological Society – is, is really good. They, they have a really good in-depth knowledge because in the Cold War, they were tasked to finding out who had what and where it was. And that was all part of their planning. Uh, even though they were stockpiling material for American manufacturers in the event of war, they wanted to know that if they had to send boots in the ground, who were they going to get first? And, you know, there's all, and that's always happened historically. If you look at Japan uh, pre, uh, you know, you know, pre-Second World War, the first country they rolled into was South Korea because they, in fact, wanted to get their hands on the mine that we're reopening because of, they use a lot of tungsten in defense. So, in munitions. So, yes, there are maps that show what's where. And, you know, the U.S. has a lot of raw materials. There's no doubt about it. It's a vast country. 
Canada has a lot of raw materials. Mexico has a lot of raw materials. You, you are surrounded by lots of solutions, but you also have a lot of hurdles. And, and I think that if we look in Canada in the last five, six, seven years, um, there's been much more prominence given to First Nations. And, and so First Nations now is another hurdle you have to get through. And it's, it's a fairly new system and it's quite complex. And it, it's very frustrating, I think, because no one seems to really have a direction. So, so, so that's slowed everything down in Canada. In the US, you obviously have no real political base that supports it. And then, of course, in, in, in Mexico, you know, you have all the other associated problems, which is can you be truly transparent? Can you conform to the levels of ESG that are being asked of you? So I, I think the raw materials are there, but it's going to take a great deal of effort to, to get them to, to market uh, if you want to domestically or, or produce close by where you can truck the raw material rather than ship. Wow. Well, truly amazing stuff. Yeah, I know. It's, it's educational every time we have you on. Thank you very much. Yeah, uh, amazing. Lewis, it's always great to talk to you, and uh, we, we certainly appreciate your time on this Saturday morning, and uh, we hope to talk to you again soon. If you've got any updates, feel free to give us a call. We'll get you back on. Be, my pleasure. My pleasure. Thank, Thank you. you very much, gentlemen. Be safe. Thank you. Yeah, you have, a, have a great weekend. Uh, always fascinating to talk to him wow. when I found out I that we were going to have him. It's like, really? I didn't know that. <laughs> Mike, we need to do a remote from a mine. The, you know what? I can only imagine getting the signal out of a mine. Yeah, we can't even get it out of the garage. Wires. Let's just wires. go to New York and sit down with Lewis and do the show from there. We get to New York, but we can't get to the SEMA show in Las Vegas. That's good. <laughs> well, George Skelton says the largest iron mine in Texas is at the Lone Star Steel uh, Mine. Um, so maybe there's one in Texas we could go to. Okay. Uh, if you'd love, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, just shoot us an email. The address here is info at inwheeltime.com. Got some uh, news stories that I wanted to get to. The U.S. arm of automaker Stellantis has issued a do-not-drive warning Uh to roughly a quarter of a million older model-year vehicles that are subject to Takata airbag recalls. Again and still are the two words that I can think of. Models included in the warning include 2005, to 2010 Dodge Magnums, Chargers, Challengers, and Chrysler 300s. There's a lot of those out there. Yeah. NHTSA is telling all vehicle owners of those models to check to see if their vehicle has an open Takata airbag recall. You can do that by going to safercar.gov. Type in the VIN number, which you can find not only up there on the dash pad, but you can also find it in your wallet or on your cell phone. And it's called the VIN number that comes with your car insurance that you're supposed to have. Yeah, it's easy to find. Yeah, easy to find. The warning comes after two such airbags exploded in two separate incidents involving 2010 Dodge Chargers killing two people. Wow. The top auto safety regulator said a third death is suspected. Left unrepaired, recalled Takata airbags are increasingly dangerous as the risk of an explosion rises as vehicles age. All customers who have the airbags will receive a free repair. A free repair. The Takata recall has been the largest in global automotive history. More than 100 million vehicles have been recalled worldwide. Wow. 
I was really surprised when I read that because by now I've done recalls on the recalls yes. oh, yeah. on my Ram truck. And it just, it, the idea that somebody hasn't done anything just surprises me. It, 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 yeah, especially the fact that you risk getting killed. Yes. You think that that would. Well, you, you would hope that the person would check their car regularly. But if you're looking at, you know, these are 15-year-old cars in some instances, and it may have gone through multiple hands before. It, and so the manufacturer may be mailing a, a recall notice to the per- person who owned it three cars ago. Right. Well, I, but I think they again. need. I think they need to put a uh, a requirement on the used car sale of getting a safercar.gov inspection. I think what they need to do is they need to put it on hold through your registration. Okay, same thing. Okay. Oh, and, well, and, registration would be more frequent than selling. Have you seen some of the cars on the road lately? Yeah. Yeah. So every time that the car gets sold. Or every time you go and renew the registration, which you do in Texas at least once a year. Yes, just didn't mind. That, that would be, hey, you got a recall. Can't We can't register your vehicle. You need to go get that Ooh. fixed. Because they certainly do it with your state inspection. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. With the state inspection, let you know, make it part of their inspection. We're going in. You've got a recall on your car. You've now been officially notified. No more excuses. Yeah, just part of the inspection. Well, and then hold up the registration until they go get it done. Well, I don't know that you could do that, but you could try. Why? It's the government. They can do whatever they we want. We can do that with any part of the of the safety issue on Speaking an inspection. Speaking of recalls, Hyundai recalling 44,396.2 crossovers, recommending owners park their vehicle outside after discovering a defect that could cause an electrical short and a thermal event. NHTSA said the recall affects 2018 Santa Fe Sport models produced between May 1st of 2017 through May 10th of 2018 at the Kia Georgia plant in West Point, Georgia. Something going on over there in Georgia, I guess. Mm -hmm. The new action is in addition to a 500,000 vehicle recall earlier this year affecting a variety of 2016 to 2019 Santa Fe models as well as 14 to 15 Tucsons, 16 to 18 K900s, and 14 to 16 Sportage models. Well, at least they spread it around. They yeah. do, yeah. So go to safercar.gov at any point, at any time, type in your VIN number, and it will tell you whether your car has had a recall. You get a recall. You get a recall. You Everybody get a recall. gets Thanks, a recall. <laughs> so yeah. you heard that the uh, Ford Mustang Mach-E is now going to have an exhaust system put on it. But this isn't like the Chrysler one. This one's a speaker that projects an exhaust noise. Thank you. Good for them. Uh, Time now for a quick break. We'll be right back. You're on the In Wheel Time Car Talk Show on iHeartRadio. Starting to work on your Christmas calendar? Be sure to add the next Tailpipes and Tacos Cruise in Saturday, December 17th. You'll want to attend Tailpipes and Tacos Christmas Edition at the Loopy Tortilla in Katy, 8 to 11 a.m. It's the only place cruisers compete for Loopy's Chili Pepper Trophies and other prizes. There's no charge to enter your vehicle for Best Hot Rod, Best Classic, or Best Modern Classic. Tailpipes and Tacos is Houston's coolest and most unique cruise-in and is your opportunity to see the best hot rods, show cars, classics, and resto mods. And get Loopy Tortilla Breakfast Tacos with adult beverages. There's no entry fee and cars will automatically compete for those much sought-after custom Loopy trophies and other prizes. It happens at the Loopy Tortilla Tex-Mex in Katy on the Grand Parkway at Kingsland Boulevard, just south of I-10. It's the Tailpipes and Tacos Christmas Edition, Saturday, December 17th. The In Wheel Time Car Talk Show will be there, too. 
Celebrate the Christmas season with friends and family at Tailpipes and Tacos. Saturday morning, December 17th, 8 to 11. We'll see you then, weather permitting. Hey, Houston, America's greatest hot rod tradition is back. Thanksgiving weekend. The O'Reilly Auto Parts Autorama at the George Hart Brown Convention Center. Four action-packed days of hot rods, customs, classics, trucks, performance cars, and live music. Do not miss the ultimate lowrider showcase. Sponsored by Shorty's Hydraulics. And the traditional rod garage. Saturday only, it's the Tuner Galleria with 250 imports, ADM, and luxury cars. Plus music and models on the celebrity stage presented by Nick's Auto Repair and Classic Car Restoration. Meet Bad Chad and wife Jolene from Bad Chad Customs on Friday. Saturday, it's Dave Kindig from TV's Bitchin' Rise. Sunday, it's Danny Coker and Kevin Mack from TV's Counting Cars. Shop the Swap Meet and Women's World all weekend. The O'Reilly Auto Parts Autorama. November 25th to 28th at the George R. Brown Convention Center. Discount tickets at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Part of the Summer Racing Equipment Show Car Series. See Autorama.com for more info. The In-Wheel Time Car Talk Show is now part of the iHeart family. Now you'll have access to 24-7 Car Talk anytime you need a fix. Just download the iHeart Radio app and ask for In-Wheel Time Car Talk, and there we are. Be sure to save us in your iHeart library for instant access. No matter where you are, you have the best Car Talk Show right on your PC, laptop, or mobile device and never have to worry about finding us again. Of course, you can always get access to our video and audio streams via InWheelTime.com and your favorite podcast channel, and all of this is free to you. From the iHeartRadio app, you'll not only hear our Saturday morning live show, but the best shows of the past, updated weekly. Never miss a minute of up-to-date new car reviews, pre-owned reviews, Conrad's Car Clinic, informative interviews, automotive news, and the most fun car talk show on the planet. Just download the iHeartRadio app, search for In Real Time Car Talk, save it to your library, and with a tap of the icon, you'll be in touch with your favorite Car Talk team. In Real Time Car Talk, streaming now on iHeart.com slash In Real Time Car Talk. That's it for this podcast episode of the In Real Time Car Show. I'm Don Armstrong, inviting you to join us for our live show every Saturday morning, 8 to 11 a.m. Central on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and our InWheelTime.com website. Podcasts are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeart Podcast, Podcast Addict, TuneIn, Pandora, and Amazon Music. Keep listening, and we'll see you soon.